Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So apostolic authority may not mean very much to you yet. I hope to change your mind on that. I think one of the greatest treasures of being part of a global church, and by global I mean not just United Methodism world round, but part of the church universal, all of Christendom. I don't count us to be only Methodists as Christians, but that we have all kinds of brothers and sisters and denominations all over the world. But one of the joys of being an apostolic church is that we recognize that the church was not built on a structure. It's not about a flow chart of an episcopacy, but instead it's about people. Jesus turned to Peter and said to him, I am going to build my church on you, on a person. I'm going to start with this relationship and I am going to build something massive, incredible, redemptive, and by God's grace, transformative. That was the motivation. Not that we would set up this rubric, this organizational flow chart, and that everyone would just find their peace in there and that there would be no accountability. Instead, the apostolic church is absolutely about accountability because our power and our authority in the church comes from Jesus Christ, and one day we shall stand before him and account for how we've used that power the ways in which we have done right, the ways in which we have done wrong, and the ways in which we have sinfully done nothing at all. We will account for all of that one day. It also means in the apostolic church that clergy are expected to be accountable, not only to our bosses, in my case, the elder over me is the district superintendent of the Charlottesville district, and he is in charge of many other clergy, but also our Bishop of the Virginia Annual Conference. But I'm also accountable to you. Um, You should expect that any United Methodist Church you walk into, there will be foundations that will have been established and that you can have a commitment to correct doctrine. That you're not going to come in here and I will not preach the Trinity. That you're not going to come in here and we won't have a worship that consists of praise and prayer and the exposition of the word, the reading of the scripture. And that above all, that I will never undercut our foundation of grace. And that if I do, something is wrong and you should call me on it. And that the church has expectations. That's why it requires of clergy, that I had to receive a master's in divinity, that I had to go through that lovely gauntlet we call the ordination process. And that was fun now that I'm on the other side. But because it's important to the church that you have the very best that any clergy has to bring, that we are educated and trained and prepared as much as you possibly can be for ministry on the fly, but that at the core of all of it, is our faith and our doctrine from which I will not stray. Because not only do you deserve that unadulterated gospel, 
but because I have sworn to be a safe keeper of the authority that has been vested in me. There are many times throughout my day when I'm in the office and I look at that genealogy of my ordination and it feels like a heavy burden. So many incredible names are on that list. So many people who made leaps and bounds of progress for our faith in Christendom. And here's my name tacked on to the end. No pressure. No pressure that somebody won't look back and go, we might have wasted some authority there. Instead, it makes me want to be better. It makes me want to ensure that what happens here under my leadership is not only orthodox in the sense that we are following our discipline and our beliefs, but that it is vibrant and alive and purposeful. The church is about people. It is not about an institution. And the times and our our entire history, and I'm not talking about just United Methodism, but going all the way back to the beginning after Peter took over, the times that we have failed have not been a flaw in apostolic authority. Instead, it was because people strayed and they forgot why we are here. We are here because in the gospel account of John, God so loved the world. The church is for everyone. The whole world should be here. The church should reflect the multiplicity and the plurality and the glory of all human creation. All of us stand in the need of grace that only Jesus Christ can bestow. And so everyone should have their opportunity to meet their Savior, to encounter radical grace, to repent and turn from their sinfulness and embrace the freedom and liberty that we have. The church is a conduit for that. It is not the keeper. And unfortunately, so often in the scripture that I read to you, people miss the part where Jesus was investing in people and people obscure the line about it is important that you take this knowledge that God has given to you and use it for the kingdom. And instead, they get to that little piece on the end that says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. As if all of a sudden we've become gatekeepers and we might if we were not looking at the full context of Jesus' words, think that that was it. That suddenly the church had become gatekeepers and whatever Peter decided was a sin was suddenly a sin. But instead, that's not what was happening. Because Jesus also said to the disciples, the standard by which you forgive will be the standard applied to you on the day of judgment. And so if our desire truly is to transform this world and to let all people encounter Jesus Christ, then we have to be willing to forgive when people ask for forgiveness. We have to be willing, instead of binding people, we have to free them. And that is really difficult in today's world. All this week as I was recovering and dealing with you know all of the emails that happen when you're sick and my inbox was blowing up and my phone was going off because this was a hard week for Crozet in Charlottesville. This was a really difficult weekend. It had been a hard week of preparation for so many people in many different communities within our larger geographical community because we lost another 19-year-old to suicide. We lost another bright, beautiful soul to mental illness. 
And people gathered to mourn and be comforted by their God for that. But it was also a day yesterday when others gathered together to proclaim their freedom to hate. And while I had company staying with me and I did not go down to the rally or the counter rally as some white supremacists and KKK members decided that they thought it would be appropriate to express their displeasure with the removal of a statue of General Robert E. Lee, another group counter-protested and they went out to meet hate head-on. And part of me really wanted to support that initiative. But then I read that 23 of those counter-protesters had to be arrested because they started pelting the original protesters with water bottles and garbage. And I have to tell you that it reminded me of why we need the church. Because the church reminds us that for all of our passion and the feelings, that visceral feeling in our heart and in our gut about what is right and what is wrong and justice and the need to stand up against that kind of hatred, for all of that, sometimes the church needs to remind us that there are right ways to do things and wrong ways. And even if your heart is in the right place, if you go about it the wrong way, you're causing more damage. So many people, not just Christians, but so many Christians decided to have a protest about hatred by gathering in churches in Charlottesville. And there together, they let the lines of denominationalism wash away and they prayed together and they sang songs of peace and praise to the ultimate Prince of Peace. And that feels like a triumph for me. That feels like a glorious thing. But unfortunately, the other happened too. Now, I'm not a big fan of protesting because I have yet to meet the person that went out to proclaim hatred for something or a group of people, um, was publicly humiliated and yelled at and had a powerful transformative encounter where they suddenly repented of all their sin and went, yep, you're right, I'm wrong, coming over there. In fact, if you publicly humiliate me, I'm more likely to dig in my heels and get nastier with you. And so I believe that, again, the gift of the church is in relationship. In the fact that I am called, first and foremost, to love my God. And if I love my God, then I have to listen to the next greatest commandment, and that is to love others. And only that is going to bring peace. Only that. And so I have had plenty of times in my life, though, where I can tell you that because I'm trying to do what God tells me to do, and it's not because I want to do it, but because God tells me I have to do it, that there are times where I have gotten into a relationship with somebody who was my enemy. And at first they were my enemy, and then the, the more that I started to learn their name, and the more that I started to listen to their story, that suddenly they became more of an acquaintance, and God helped me over time they have become my friend. And it's really hard to hate your friend, well-played God. And so suddenly I find myself in a relationship that allows me to not only hear someone and give them the dignity that God endowed them with, but they can now do the same for me. And it is in that, that powerful relationship, that change is truly made. But it's long, and it's hard, and it is work. And one by one, one heart by one heart, 
I believe God makes change. And the church is supposed to be a sanctuary for that kind of relationship. You're sitting in the midst of people that didn't vote the way you voted. You're sitting in the midst of people that don't feel the way you feel about all of the things that are very important to you. And some of the things that are most important to you, someone else over here is going, I could care less about that. But what is it that binds us? Is it not Christ? Is it not Christ that overrides every political affiliation, every musical preference, every way of dress and speak and human culture? It is Christ that can truly transform. And the United Methodist Church's mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Because if you are making a disciple, you are getting into relationship. Because discipleship is not just making Christians. Do you notice that we don't say that? We're not making Christians. There are denominations that are all about making Christians. 3,000 souls were saved at our barbecue yesterday. There are those churches. And God love them. That's their business. We are not in the Christian-making business. We are in the disciple-making business. Christians believe in Jesus Christ. Disciples follow him. And so we are here to not only help someone open their heart and become part of the Christendom that we have encountered, but we are here to walk with them, to enable them to walk, to learn their gifts and their graces, to discover their time and their talent, and to put it at use to build the kingdom. We're not here to whip around a little Jesus and say, God bless you, go forth. We are here for the long haul with those who want to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And that is exhausting. And that will take its toll on you. That's why I was sick last Friday. Because walking with 16, 3, and 4-year-olds, I'll wear you out. My immune system had had enough. It was long and hard and exhausting and, by God, worth it. It was worth it. I'm not going to tell you that that's how I want to spend, you know, every week for the rest of my life. But I'll tell you what, I will never regret it. I don't even regret the fact that I got sick from doing it. 